0: In a week where a few SEC teams went down, it was no trouble for Tennessee in the Vols' season opener. A win over Virginia in Nashville, 49-13. A couple mistakes, a couple bumps in the road for Tennessee, but the result was never really in doubt. Full speed ahead, and now Austin P. will come to Neyland Stadium on Saturday. Welcome into the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside the Knoxville News Sentinels' Adam Sparks and john adams guys uh you had the the coverage from the tennessee win on saturday i was down in orlando monitoring from afar before lsu's game and as i watched tennessee i think my general takeaway was they won by 36 points it was a really inferior opponent which we talked about last week but game never in doubt but the big thing was i didn't even think this was peak tennessee like there were some bumps in the road special teams miscues drop pass here and there I think Tennessee could play better than this and that maybe ought to be scary to many of the teams on its schedule
2: you could do that hat glass half full or half empty um I, I think the 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 offense was not especially the passing game was not a well-oiled machine uh, I think that's there's going to be some improvements there um And and most of them really were not Joe Milton's fault. I thought he ran the offense fine. I think he threw the ball fine. He had 30 attempts. I went back and watched every one of them, and I think I counted four bad passes out of the 30 attempts. One of them should have been picked off. Three others were were not great throws. But he he was pretty good. Um, You know, the passing game, just uh, they've got some issues on the offensive line. They've got to figure out which will cost them in SEC games if they don't get them fixed by then. Cooper coming back will help that quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, they didn't play great, and they still won by quite a lot. I, I thought it was a pretty solid opener. They could have won that game by, by 60 if they're playing well. If 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 you wanted to be um, – if you're the type that worry about a lot of things, you could say there were some problems with the offense that seemed to be carried over from the Orange Bowl. I know they had a great game there, and they won that game over Clemson. but Things stalled out more with this offense than it did most of last season. And we saw that some in the Orange Bowl. We saw that some in the Vanderbilt game. We saw that some in this game. So they need to fix some things in offense. running game was really good. Um defense was better than you could imagine. Again, it's against Virginia, so we'll see. But I I think the I think the the, the call of depth that the coaches have made off season on the defensive side, I think was was heated. I think they have they have more bodies and they have more talent on that side of the ball than they've had the previous two years. And that, that was maybe the biggest plus for me.
1: I think there's a tendency any with Josh Heupel's offense, it's been so productive led the nation in scoring and yards per game last season that the standards are so high. So when Tennessee doesn't uh, gets a ball and doesn't score, you it, there's criticism follows. I just think it's natural because the standards are so high and, yeah, my assessment was similar to Adams. Uh, there was a there was a period there after the first scoring drive to early in the second quarter where Tennessee was just kind of sputtering on offense. But um, overall, when I looked at what Joe Milton did, his stats were good, and he, probably the best pass he threw was uh, dropped by Ramel Keaton. So, yeah, I, I thought I came away from that game thinking Tennessee was was better than I thought it would be. And a lot of that had to do, uh, Austin mentioned, it had to do with the defense. I, I just forget the stats. It just really passed the eye test to me. It just looked quicker, stronger. It, it just looked different than what
2: Tennessee defensive, recent defensive as defenses have looked. Yeah, Blake, and I'll just add that, you know, you said uh, you asked the question to begin with, is Tennessee better than we thought they would be? And and John sort of said that. I know John wrote that in a column following the game. Uh, I and I had fans ask me the same question. I don't feel like Tennessee is going to be better than I thought they would be after this game. I, I feel exactly the same as I did before. There's really no change. You know, if you look back at some of the bold predictions or whatever we call them that, uh, that I wrote um, right before the, the opener, um, there were three big ones, I think, that I've kind of uh, settled on through most of the preseason. Was that Tennessee would be somewhere around a 9-3 and three record. I still feel that way after seeing the opener. Um, I felt like Tennessee would um, maybe take a small step back on offense but take a step forward on defense. So the gap would close there a little bit uh, between those those two units, but they would still be they would be a little more balanced. I feel the same way about that now after the opener. Offense l- looked not as quite as good as you would want. Uh, defense looked better. And the third thing was I thought Tennessee would have a better chance of beating Georgia at Neyland Stadium than I thought they would have it beating Alabama and Tuscaloosa. And after seeing Tennessee play, and especially after seeing Georgia and Alabama play, I feel just as good about that prediction as well.
0: Well, let's let's continue with that, because I think that's a good thought. Um, you know, better, worse, or exactly the same. And I realize we're getting into week one overreaction territory. But uh, let's face it, guys. It's a game against Austin P next week. The coaches and the players will tell you can't, can't overlook any opponent. Well, we're podcast hosts, so we can' overlook opponents, and that's what we're going to do. And so that that allows us to engage in these type of debates. Adam, you say uh, exactly the same, uh, more or less as, as what you thought they would be coming into the season. I, I'll log a vote for that as well. Uh, I said I believe I was I was predicting Tennessee at nine and three coming into the year. Uh, I will stand by that. Wouldn't be totally shocked if it's 10 and two. I wouldn't be shocked if it's 8 and 4. I guess I'd be more surprised if it's 8 and 4 than if it's 10 and 2, but I still like 9 and 3. Uh, Georgia and and Alabama, you know, I still have in, in the likely loss column and Texas A&M at home. I think that's going to be a tough game. Uh, Texas A&M had no trouble in its week 1 game against New Mexico, and even if you win that one, that could be offset by some head-scratching loss somewhere else along the line. So, uh, like you Adam, I guess it, even though Tennessee crushed Virginia, we all expected they would crush Virginia. So my opinion hasn't changed a ton. I'm the same at nine and three. How about you, John? Are you reevaluating your expectations in any way after this game? No, I thought Tennessee would go ten and two, and I I
1: still think it will go ten and two, but it will be a stronger ten and two than I envisioned in preseason. Part of that has to do with the opposition. I thought South Carolina could be a real challenge. Even though it's at Needland Stadium, I thought it could be a difficult difficult game, mainly because of Spencer Rattler, quarterback. Uh, watching South Carolina play against North Carolina, just awful. No offensive line. I could see Tennessee beating uh, South Carolina by three or four touchdowns. So, uh, I also wasn't overly impressed with either Alabama and Georgia, teams that are considered national championship contenders. So the... The standard is very high, and maybe I'm too critical, but I just didn't think they were – they were. I, I didn't think Georgia was as good as it was last year, uh, going back to an opening game. Uh, and Alabama was about what I thought it was. So I, I just feel better about Tennessee's chances of going 10-2 and two now that I did in preseason.
0: How about a couple uh, takeaways that really grabbed your, uh, your attention, guys? I, I'll throw a couple out there. And see if you had a similar uh, opinion in these areas, and maybe if there was something else that caught your eye. Number one, I thought Jalen Wright looked fantastic. You know, he's been a pretty good running back the last couple years, but hasn't had too many hundred-yard games. I think this was just the third of his career. He went for one hundred and fifteen against Virginia. Probably could have gone for two hundred if he would have had say twenty carries. He only only had a dozen carries. He didn't need you know any more than that. That was plenty. Uh, as he rushed for 115 yards was, was impressed by, by the way he attacked, uh, with the ball in his hands. And then, uh, I thought the, uh, the Tennessee pass rush looked good enough to give me some optimism in that area. Tyler Barron, James Pierce had a couple sacks a piece I've said before. I think that pass rush is going to be important to, uh, provide support for the back end of the defense. So those were a couple things that grabbed my eye. Uh, John, how about you? Uh, anything that really caught your attention as being, uh, particularly impressive to you in this?
1: Well, I, I mentioned it earlier, but just the overall play of the defensive front, um, particularly the front four, uh, they just look quicker and stronger. Um, and they mounted a pass rush. I know it's against Virginia. Um, uh, And Virginia was so limited offensively, but Tennessee looked really aggressive up front. I like what I saw there. Uh, I was curious about the offensive line. uh, Virginia's strength probably was its defensive front, although it was playing without its best player. And I thought Tennessee controlled the line of scrimmage pretty well on offense without Cooper Mays. I thought that was significant. I watched Dolly – I wanted to call him Ollie Mays, Ollie Lane. Uh, I watched him a few times making pretty nice blocks, uh, con- controlling his man. So I was impressed with that. Uh, and I think we're seeing now the backfield. I, nobody forgot about Dylan Sampson, but I think you think of Jalen Wright, Jabari Small, one-two punch, but I think it's a one-two-three punch. Sampson, because of his speed, can give Tennessee a little – something extra, a little something different, so I just, uh, you know, I liked all of those things, and there was, it it was impossible to judge the secondary. Is it better? I just couldn't tell against uh, Virginia because its passing game was so limited. Quarterback Tony Musket, unfortunately, was injured, but that was hardly surprising if you watched the first couple of series that eventually he would go down and not get back up because he was under so much pressure.
0: Do you think after the results we saw in week one, Florida looked just abysmal against Utah and we, neither one of us had big expectations for Florida coming into the season. That hasn't changed obviously after week one. And then we saw South Carolina just get picked apart by North Carolina. You mentioned it, John. South Carolina had no offensive line. Uh, Questions about that. Entering the season, even more questions about that after they got crushed by the Tar Heels. Uh, North Carolina sacked Spencer Rattler nine times. And so those had kind of been these circled games in the month of September with UTSA, I guess, sort of lurking in the shadows. But UTSA lost a week one game against Houston. I mean, at, at what point... Will you guys feel like, do you think, we really know what Tennessee has here? Because, I mean, and this is a pretty favorable September schedule. It already was. Now I think it's breaking even better for Tennessee. I'm not sure I'll have my mind made up on, on what type of Tennessee team this is until that October 14th game against Texas A&M. But is there, is there something that, that's standing out to you guys in the first month of the season as as still baby being an interesting test even after what we saw after week one?
2: The atmosphere in the swamp and how that's handled. I think that's um, Florida's not really, really good. Um, but I, I've said it on this pod before is that you just cannot underestimate what what playing in the swamp, how difficult that can be. Um, you know, I mean, they, we'll see how Cooper Mays is, the center, um, whether he's uh, healthy or he's not playing. Uh, the Florida game, you're going to have issues at center because they've had issues at center so far. You potentially could have issues at left guard. So then you have communication issues. You have the crowd at the swamp. Um, you need to figure out a few things in offense to make that more efficient. And so that, that, could, that could be a test. Tennessee should win that game. But it being on the road, I think, changes things quite a bit. But, yeah, I, I mean, aside from that, um, so far – You know, just week one, a lot of the opponents on their schedule don't look as good as we thought they would, including what John mentioned before about South Carolina. And so uh, Tennessee, um, I I feel fine about Tennessee. I don't feel as good about their opponents. So they're they're probably not going to have that many hurdles until. They they get to mid October. October could be difficult, and South Carolina could get better. I think Texas A and M is going to be good, and Alabama is going to be really really good. So it will get tough during the middle of the year. But this is this is the way that you want to line this up. Playing a Power Five in Virginia—that's a bad Power Five. That's that's what you want because you feel good about the win. Um, but it really wasn't that difficult, and uh, and that's that's what you're going to get through most of September.
1: When Adam was talking about the atmosphere in the swamp and we know it can be very uh, very hostile and very difficult for an opposing team, it made me think maybe you know how you pre-get you pre-plan things like there's gonna be a white out, or there's gonna be an orange out, or checkerboard kneeling and all that stuff. What if Tennessee fans pretended that Tennessee was the opponent and made as much noise as possible? When Tennessee had the ball, just
0: to get it ready for a hostile environment,
1: I th- I think that would be a real plus going in that Florida game.
0: I'm seeing a column forming, John, as as you try to come up with some ideas for this Austin P game. You really can't hard to make this, uh, you know, more than what it is. I'm, I'm seeing a, a maybe a Friday column about how Tennessee fans should turn on its own on on the game this week and prepare the balls for for the swamp.
2: Well, I in think. the Virginia get in the Virginia game when Nico came into the game, there was like this loud roar from the crowd, and they had to tell <laughs> everybody to be quiet. Uh, so maybe that maybe they had the right idea already, John. They were ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, maybe they
0: were. Adam, we'd we'd lost your uh, your audio and internet connection earlier. Listeners may have realized uh, Adam went missing for about five minutes, but now that we have you back, I want to get your thoughts on on something John and I weighed in on earlier about the Virginia game. Uh, we highlight, highlighted some guys or position groups that, that grabbed our attention. Um, I mentioned Jalen Wright going for over 100 yards rushing. I thought he looked really good. I mentioned the pass rush, getting four sacks between James Pierce and Tyler Barron. Uh, John had good things to say about the defensive line as well. Uh, what maybe if you were to give out a couple game balls or whatever you want to call it, um, you know what direction would you go with? Who, who kind of had your eye uh, from from Saturday's performance? Maybe I guess it could be expected. But I was thinking maybe even more so, something you were on the fence about that uh, you thought, okay, this looked
2: good. Kamal Haddon, who was lambasted some late last season uh, at corner when he was, you know, there was some visuals people had of like South Carolina, Tennessee down like thirty points, and he's and he's celebrating plays. <laughs> he got burned a few times late in the year. Kamal Haddon looked really, really good. And I, I don't. I know, like pro football, focused grades are not completely scientific, um, but he had, a, I think he had the best uh, best coverage grades of anybody on there, and he he made some plays. There were a few times I know Tennessee fans will listen to this and say he he needs to turn his head around to see the ball coming, but uh, you know, against an inferior opponent, granted, um, Kamal Haddon was pretty good. Secondary was 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 fine. And and obviously, we all had questions about them. Uh, Keenan Peely, I wondered what um, the coaches would say. And uh, Keenan Peely had a couple of big hits earlier in the game. He's the middle linebacker, BYU transfer. Had a couple of big hits in the game, dropped into coverage a little bit. I wanted to see if he was athletic enough to run around. Um, I was on the fence. I I thought he looked pretty good, but then it seemed like you didn't see much of him after the first couple of drives. He didn't play that much because they were subbing in real, real quickly. Um, early in that game. But uh, Josh Hoppel today at the press conference said Keenan Peely got a game ball. Um, now he said, well, he made a few plays. We didn't make many. Why was that? And I think a lot of it was this is a new player who I, I think was making the majority of the calls at linebacker. He was operating. He was, operating the, he was the, the quarterback of the defense. And as a new guy to do that, um, I think they were sort of tipping their cap at him that he did that well and, uh, and it allowed aaron beasley at weak side linebacker at wheel to run around and just make plays and not have to worry as much about uh about managing the defense so i thought i thought that was a really good sign it was a it was a pretty decent day for the for the transfers that they have i need to see more out of those guys but so so much i'm, I'm talking about defense because so much of my attention was 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 on defense um they played i think 25 guys on defense they rolled in a lot of guys and Oh, I'm sorry, 25 guys with the first, what I would call the first team defense. They played a lot more guys than that. But I think I, I counted probably 25 guys at this point, but they will probably play in the first team rotation at Florida. Uh, and they could not say that in past years.
1: That's one of the most surprising things I've heard for the entire weekend that Keenan Peely got a game ball. I I didn't even know. I, I forgot he was out there. John's taking the game ball back. <laughs>
2: I I, mean, I, I I really do. I really do think it was intangibles. They need intangibles okay. from him. Um, they need him to be the opposite of Jeremy Banks in some ways, and <laughs> I think <laughs> in the ways that he is opposite of Jeremy Banks, uh, they they want to tip their cap to that. Now he needs to do like the playing style of Jeremy Banks because Jeremy Banks made a lot of plays, but um, I, I think that's 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 sort of what they were praising him for.
1: I couldn't uh, see those intangibles during the game. I, I mean, <laughs> they, weren't the bo-
2: they weren't in the box score.
1: No, I, uh,
0: intangibles. She they need a really... column for that. Yeah, yeah that, that's what the game balls. Well, for, good. Well, good for him. Yeah, you mentioned Adam. The reaction from the crowd when Nico came in. Of course, that was a, a much anticipated uh, debut. Even though it was in, in mop-up duty, uh, an opportunity to maybe to see more of him this week against Austin P. If that game gets lopsided early, I'm wondering what are your thoughts on on whether Nico redshirts or not this year. Of course, you can play in up to four games now and still use it as a redshirt season. Didn't used to be the case. Used to be if you wanted a redshirt, you didn't play. Now you can play in four and redshirt. Um, you think there's um, a decision there within the staff? Do you, have you got an inkling on, on what way Tennessee's going to head, or just take it as it goes? And if they need him in more than four, if there's a chance to play him in more than four, they do it. How do you, what direction do you think
2: they'll go there? I think circumstances will dictate that he he plays more than than the four games. Uh, he's already played one. Um, he'll play a lot against Austin P. He'll play a lot against UConn. He should play a lot against UTSA. Um, well, that's four right there. That's four nine games. And, yeah, Vanderbilt should be a lopsided score. Missouri could be. John thinks South Carolina could be. There's just going to be at least a couple of SEC games that may look like a score, what we saw in the Virginia game. And if that's the case, you're going to play him. There, there's so much more to gain by him getting game live action game snaps than anything that you could gain by getting him a year of eligibility back. Yeah, I mean, a, a five-star quarterback is not supposed to be in school for five years. You're not supposed to redshirt and hang around. Either you're somewhat of a bust, somewhat of a disappointment, or you're an NFL player that comes out before your eligibility is done. And, and if you know, so he's going to be one of those two, two, two things. Um, and uh, that he's, I mean, he's probably going to compete to be the starter. He's going to compete to be the starter next year, maybe with a guy that they get in the portal or something like that. And so they need him to play a lot. I'm, I'm curious to see how much they he plays against Austin P because. I I was a little surprised that Gaston Moore came in at the end of that game. I I just assumed as soon as Nico gets out there, you give him absolutely every snap that he can get. Uh, But they they pulled him after a couple of series. He threw three passes, looked somewhat comfortable. You know, maybe when he tucked it a couple times and ran the ball and took a couple of hits, maybe they thought, okay, he – you know, it, we busted the seal here and he, uh, he played. So we're going to get him out of there, but I, I would hope Austin P let's say this is a 35, 40 point game at halftime. I wish they would just play him the entire second half. I don't think that's going to happen based on what happened the other day, but uh, let him, let him do a lot. Let him throw the ball. Let him run the offense. What do you think, John? Should uh, should Tennessee
0: red shirt? Nico, I, I kind of side with Adam there. If you got a five-star guy, you can't, Really, nobody should be thinking about his fifth year because by his fifth year, he's either, as Adam put it, a bust or or in the NFL. Uh, I think Tennessee fans obviously hope for the, for the latter and, and may well be, be accurate in thinking that. So I'm with Adam. What do you think? Should we be toying around with the idea of a redshirt season here for Nico and only play him in four games?
1: Well, based on what I've heard about him, and I just, he only played a few plays in the game Saturday, but based on what I've heard, uh, he might be here three years, so uh, yeah, I wouldn't even think about redshirting. I would think you've got to have in case uh, Joe Milton goes down. You got to have him as ready as you can be. And I kind of agree with Adam on this. I, I would like to get him as many game reps as I could, uh, just for the unfortunate possibility that uh, Milton might be injured, and and he would have to Nico would have to come in and start a game. So I don't know. I'd be too concerned about getting a third guy ready. I'd want to get Nico ready to
0: play. All right, we'll leave it there, guys. Uh, we'll have a lengthier discussion, I think, next week uh, when Tennessee prepares for the Florida game. Uh, but this one will be against Austin P Neyland Stadium, 5 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, John will have the commentary. Adam will have the game coverage and the pregame coverage. You can find it all at knoxnews.com. If you like what you hear on the Volunteer State Podcast, we'd appreciate it uh, if you give us a subscribe Or you could give us a rating or review. Those ratings and reviews help us find more listeners. We're glad to have you here listening this week. And we'll be back with you next week. Thanks for listening to The Volunteer State. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left.